0: So the second week when the Lord said that talk's really not going to work, you know, I, I, I'm grateful to God that I was able to unwind. You know, I think I feel like I was getting to the end before we flew off. And you know that feeling we are about to go away and you're like, I just got to get over that line, finish off my work stuff. And I, once I sit on that plane, I can just go, ah. Oh. And, 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 you know, for me, I was grateful that I was able to do that, feeling quite tired and, and quite exhausted, really. Um, but I remember in the second week, and Menorca is a beautiful place, and we stayed in a beautiful, beautiful resort. Um, we, drove, we hired a car for a day, and we went to a, a local beach that was just absolutely stunning, you know, just clear blue waters. And sorry, I hope I'm not making you jealous. Clear blue waters, and there was cliffs. And, and I, you know, I had, we had some great lunch there, and uh, I was feeling, you know, rested. And I, and I took my book that I was reading. Whenever I go away, I normally have some good crime novels or Thrillers, you know the old Grisham or Michael Connolly or Lee Child, Jack Reacher sometimes. Uh, don't judge me. And then uh, I would take some devotionals and some other books to feed my soul too. Um, so I, I went. I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my book and then I'm going to lie in the water, you know, and read my book. So I got there and the water's beautiful and I'm like, ah, oh, life is good. And I, and I li- I'm not going to show how I lied down because I wouldn't be getting up again probably. But I was lying down and I just. There was a sense, I just felt this. I started reading the paragraph, and it's a very good book. I was like, I just, there's something in me. I'm feeling a bit, I don't know, just thirsty. A little bit, if I'm honest, a bit uh, hungry. No, I'd just had lunch. I was, had all the drink I wanted. <laughs> That's how rumors start. I just had a Diet Coke. <laughs> Well, I have to say, at the resort, they had Estrala on tap, and that is one of my favourite beers, so I was very happy. And you'd literally go up and go... Mm-hmm. So I became a pro at that. Um, so, so if this gig doesn't work out, I'll work in a bar, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, what am I doing? See, I'm, I should be by the pool right now. That's what I'm just saying. So I don't know where I am, quite frankly. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yes, and there was just this sense, and... And everything was beautiful, and yet I was just so hungry. And I recognised it was just the, the spirit of the Lord. And in that moment, I think that there was this kind of revelation of the difference between the flesh needing to be gratif- wanting to be gratified and the soul needing to be satisfied. See, there's a difference between the flesh being gratified and the soul being satisfied. And my flesh was gratified. It had everything it needed around it to be pleasing. But my soul was thirsty. My soul was thirsty. And I think oftentimes a mark of maturity is recognizing the distinction between the two. Because oftentimes when we feel that, oh, I just feel a bit, we go and go to the flesh and gratify it. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying food and, and good wine and all those kind of things, but there's a difference between our satisfying our flesh and gratifying our flesh. Gratification, there's something about that that is over and above what we need and it starts looking for stuff that it almost exuberance, almost too much. And oftentimes what happens is when we feel that, 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 that thirst in our soul, we think it's our flesh. We think that, oh, I'm just tired. We think I need more rest. We think that I need some more food. We think we, all those things, but actually what's happening is our soul is thirsty. Now, what is our soul? It is who we are. It's our, it's our emotions. It's our will. It's, it's the eternal part of us. You know, this, this body, we're going to get new bodies. We're going to get an upgrade. I could definitely do with an upgrade. A new glorified bodies. But who we are, the essence of who we are, that soul, we are created as eternal beings. But that soul, our soul has been designed to worship God, the creator. And it's more common, that thirst, to feel it when you're in a desert place or life is going tough. You know, a couple of the books that I was reading when I was away, this one here is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Day by Day, Peter Schizero. I'm sure many of you heard of him. There is Emotionally Healthy Leadership book. We've done a course here before on him. And Steph and I kind of tag team on this. You can see it's really rather worn, and it's dropped in the pool a couple of times, I think, as well. Um, But I was reading through this, and he quoted Oswald Chambers and uh, His utmost for His Highest, which I actually had with me also. I thought, that's kind of cool. And this book I had with me, My utmost for His Highest, I probably got this when I was about 15. I, don't, I can't recall if it was gifted to me or if uh, I bought it. But Oswald Chambers, he became a convert under the great ministry of Charles Spurgeon in, in the uh, late 19th century. He died quite young, about 43, 44, my age really. Um, but he had a great ministry. And my utmost for his highest is really a collection in, in, in a daily devotional form of his talks that he gave. And um, Peter Scazzaro quoted uh, one of these here that I'm going to read to you, which really talks about what I experienced about the thirst of the soul. And you know what it was? I think in that moment of just feeling so hungry for God, and I've been there before, I've recognised that, that there was a sense of a, a kind of almost an epiphany, if you like, of this thing is quite simple really, isn't it? It's just about being with God. Isn't that all what it's about, being with him? I loved the worship earlier. I don't know if you noticed the themes of the majority of the songs are about being in his presence and being with him. That's what it's about. I mean, we complicate this quite, um, quite a lot. But it's quite simple. Let me read to you um, what Oswald Chambers, Oswald Chambers wrote. And actually, he used Revelation 1.7, which is, Behold, he cometh with clouds. In the Bible, clouds are always connected with God, Clouds are those sorrows or sufferings or providences in us or outside of us, outside of our personal lives, which seem to dispute the rule of God. What does that mean? It means, in other words, how can there be a God if? you know It seems to dispute the rule of God. It is by those very clouds that the Spirit of God is teaching us how to walk by faith. If there were no clouds, we should have no faith. The clouds are but the dust of our Father's feet. The clouds are a sign that he is there. It is not true to say that God wants to teach us something in our trials. Through every cloud he brings, he wants us to unlearn some things. His purpose in the cloud is to simplify our belief until our relationship to him is exactly that of a child God and my own soul. Other people are shadows. Until other people become shadows, clouds and darkness will be mine every now and again. Is the relationship between myself and God getting simpler than ever it has been? And you see the, 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 the trials of life, the clouds that come, are those opportunities for us to recognize that our relationship with God is a simple thing. It's about being with him, that our soul thirsts for him. And it reminded me of a psalm, which I'm going to uh, reference briefly, um, that in fact I had shared with the staff team before I left, and I've been meditating on this for a while. It's Psalm 63. Let's have it on the screen. And I'm going to read this. briefly and then I'm just going to touch on this. The psalmist, this is David writing and he's in the wilderness. Um, Many scholars believe this was at the period of time where Saul was out to get him and he's in the wilderness here. He is in a parched land. If anybody would say, man, I'm really thirsty, my flesh needs something, it would be David. And yet he doesn't say this. He says this, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with the songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on your thought the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. This was a man who recognized that only God could quench the thirst of his soul. My question for you this morning is, do you recognize when your soul is thirsty? Do you even ask yourself the question? Or is your life so busy on gratifying your flesh and of the things of this world that you move and drift from the Lord's presence? And I ask this question of you because I have asked it of the same of myself. Let's look at this together. He says this, oh God, you are my God. You know, I find that if you read through scripture, it's always good to put an emphasis on one of the words and see what happens. So let me give you an example. You are my God. Who is your God? He said, God, Elohim, the God Almighty, the supreme creator, God Almighty, you are my God not the God of this world with a small g, not the God of money, not the God of influence, not the God of comfort, not the God of etc., etc. And Jenna did a great job of unpacking this from a different angle in, in some of the things we put our roots in. And if you missed that talk, I'd encourage you to catch up. I, by the way, just as a parenthesis, I love that Jenna said, you know, and it was a revelation for me. I'd never really seen it this way, but what happens under the soil is that secret life of your life with the Lord, those things that are hidden. Now, what's your secret life with the Lord like? The things that people don't see. I love that. You are my God. Who is your God? Listen, the question is not whether we have a God. The question question is, whose God are you? The question is not, do you want a God? The question is, which God have you got? We've all been created to worship God. And if we don't worship Elohim, we'll worship something else. Let's look at this emphasis. What about this? You, you are my God. You are my God. That's what I've been speaking about. You, you are my God. Can you say the same? And isn't it interesting that the psalm starts with that? Why? Because it all starts with relationship with God. It's not about religious exercises and rituals. Though traditions are wonderful things, you won't find God in them. You find it in the relationship with our heavenly Father by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Can you start by saying, you are my God? Then he says this, I earnestly search for you. You know, I love the way the new King James and the King James translates earnestly. It's early I seek you. Before anything else, when I rise, I have a habit of when I first open my eyeballs in the morning. I start thanking God. Thank you, Lord, for this new day. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for this, for that. I I need to do it early because if I don't, other things will come into my life. If the first thing you do is roll over and pick up your mobile phone and check the news and you wonder why you're fearful during the day, then maybe there's a clue there. If you wonder why you're worried about how you look and what other people are doing and because the first thing you do is get your mobile phone and look at Instagram, maybe there's a clue there for you. The psalmist knew that early he needed to seek God. And my question is, are you doing it early? Like, we wake up. I love waking up and getting a cup of tea. First thing I do, cup of tea. Tea first, then coffee. Hands up if you're a tea first kind of person. Good, okay. Hands up if you're a coffee kind of person. Interesting. I would say that's 50-50. Hands up if you're neither. Hmm. I love you too, don't worry. (laughs) Um, Anyway, our bodies would like some liquid, please. Have you thought about what your soul needs in the morning? I I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon... Your power and glory. Let's look at before that. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land. You know, it's amazing as you see the land around us, how parched it is at the moment. I take that as a reminder. Is my soul in that condition? I need to spend time with him. I'm going to invite the band up as I I end. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. You know, the psalmist is saying here, and don't forget, you know, he wasn't in Jerusalem. He wasn't where the temple was. He was in the wilderness. And he's saying, I remember when I was in your temple. I have seen your power. I have seen your glory. I know who you are, God. Do we remind ourselves of, of what God has done for us? Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. I have seen you. I have beheld your glory. And you can almost feel hear the longing in the psalmist For getting back into the temple. But I've got good news. We don't need to go to a physical temple to be in the presence of God. We are the temple of the most high. Did you know that? The Spirit of God indwelling in each one of us. We don't have to long for a temple. When we feel that long in, we just be still and know that He is God. Lord, I want to see your power. I want to see your presence. Come again, O God. Holy Spirit, would you come rest on us? And then it says this, your unfailing love is better than life itself. It's a question of perspective. I found this really great photo. We're going to have it on the screen, hopefully. Look at that. What's bigger? What's bigger, the pens or the buildings? It's a question of perspective. You see, in our world, the things that are material for us seem to be bigger than God. The things of this world seem to be more important than God. But David knew. He said, listen, your love is way more important than this life that I live right now. Can we say that? Can I genuinely say that, Lord, your love is better than life itself? Or am I looking at my life in the completely wrong perspective? And lastly, he says this, how I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings and I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. What is our response, friends? When our soul is thirsty, we cling to him and we praise him. Man, why don't you come and start as I pray? I haven't had much time with this talk, but that's okay. I don't think you need to. I think the message from the Spirit of God is clear. Is your soul thirsty? Is your soul thirsty? And what are you going to do about it? Let us stand as I pray.